purpose, destiny, and this is what we're called for, born for this. And as a church, as a people, we have a destiny, each one of us. And I think today, I don't want to go all over the place because I could be saying so much more about who we are. But I want to emphasize what I feel God is saying in this moment for us. So can we just pray? Father, we just want to thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We were once alienated from you. We were slaves to sin, but now we are free, righteous, we're justified. We're your children who have access into heaven and your throne. And Father, we thank you that whatever you want to say today, Holy Spirit, we ask that every word you will breathe over and it will become life. It will produce and multiply a 3600 fold. Father, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you that we can trust your word. We can trust that everything you've said and everything you've spoken is true. And we, 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 we spread out our nets of faith and we thank you, Father, that we indeed, this word will produce life. And we thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on introductions because uh, time goes by so quickly. I think my prayer already took five minutes for me. And... And I and I love I love teaching I love I love speaking about truth. There is nothing that consumes me, other than the word of God, because indeed it is the hope of our salvation. That's that's it. So today, I want to talk about uh, the truth about me. In other words, our identity. Can you give me the next slide, please? Now, so we spend most of our lives trying to figure out who we are. We spend money and time bettering ourselves and going on journeys of self-discovery, justifying that we are not satisfied with who we are or who we are becoming. That is the dilemma of the human heart. There is always something more. There is always more to discover about ourselves. Okay? There is always... Uh, a new character, a new personality trait. There is always something that we want to discover. So we spend money going to school, learning and getting knowledge. We spend time going to psychologists. We spend time going to uh, whatever places, church, to prophets, to tell us who we are. Okay? And sometimes, actually most of the times, we find that we're actually not even satisfied with who that person is. The unfortunate thing is we are in a time and a, in, in a space where this generation is in crisis. We are in an identity crisis. There is all sorts of identities available for us. I mean, social media gives us a platform to reinvent ourselves over and over again. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but like when you go on Facebook, there are people with many multiple uh, personalities there. When you go on Instagram, people want to put their, their best foot forward. They want, to, they want to show the world, this is who I am. I want you to buy into me. Okay? And this is the crisis of the, of the human heart in this moment, is that there is a crisis. The world is saying it's okay for you to have gender fluidity. The world is saying that it's okay for you to have um, race fluidity. It's okay for you to be A, B, C, and D. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. That is what the world is saying. 
And for us as Christians, a peculiar people, a set-apart people, is that what we ascribe to? Do we become like the world? Or do we then discover who we are in Christ? This crisis is for us to also address. It's not for us to stay away and say, look at those people. This is why Jesus saved us, so that we can actually be the answer to the crisis, the identity crisis in the world. Okay? So now we're going to go through... Okay, my slides are so small. I'm so sorry. I'm sure you can see. Like, just quench your eyes a little bit or something. <laughs> like. So what is identity? Who am I? Identity is uh, the fact of being or what a person or thing is. Your identity is who you are. I think we don't even need to. I didn't even need to say that because I think a lot of us are learned. We are educated. We know what identity is. Maybe we're saying it for the likes of Jade who are still in kindergarten <laughs> who don't know what identity is. Now, this fact about us or about me distinguishes me from the next person. Okay? So I just want you to look a bit around you and see who's the person next to you. So now you, you, they didn't even say a word, but already you have an idea of who the person is. Okay? And these are external attributes. That's why I said, look at the other person. Some of you just glanced. Mm, you like yourself too much, you know. Mm, but, <laughs> you know, these external attributes are your appearance, your name, your behavior, you know. And they are what makes you. When people see Chris, they know it's Chris. When Pastor Chris comes up, you know him as Pastor Chris. When Hilma comes up, you're like, hmm, what's Chris doing there? No, you know it's Hilma. <laughs> okay? Every one of you have an appearance, have external attribute that makes you you. Your skin, your color, uh, your skin color, your, your name, your gender, everything makes you you. Behavior and everything externally. And your internal attributes can be your character, personality, gifts, talents, and abilities, and skills. Each one of us are gifted and have different abilities. I can tell you that now. Even though, even, even uh, twins that are very, what you, identical twins, they have different characters. Okay? It's so, it's so interesting to know that there is no one in this world and will ever be anyone with the same DNA and the same, what do you call it? Fingerprint like you. God is so meticulous. So each one of you are so meticulously made. Your outward, your internal attributes are so meticulous. Okay, the way I sing is not the way my sister sings, for example, even though she sings also. The way I look is not the way that she looks. We all are very different. And the other attribute that we have is our education. All of us have different forms of education. Our, our religion, okay, the world has many religions and cultures and ethnicity, professions, achievements, Geographical positions, obviously, some of us from, are not Namibian who are here. And even if you're Namibian, you're not necessarily from Venduk like me. I look like I'm from Venduk, but I know I'm from Rundu. You know? <laughs> so it's so, inter- it's so interesting to know that every one of our attributes are, are embedded in this one thing that is you. And the, the, the good thing to note is, please don't go back. Uh, this... These facts are actually documented, and I brought my documents so that you know that I am actually, I have a birth certificate, y'all. I actually got it beginning of this, beginning of this year, my full birth certificate. 
<laughs> don't judge me, okay? Some of you don't have your birth certificates. I have my birth certificate that actually attests to the fact that before I was in Jadila, I was Kapapero, okay? I have my identity document. I brought it away so you can see. Please don't judge my face when before before Christ. This is this is me, okay? I it, actually my surname changed when I got married. Uh, I have my marriage certificate. <laughs> Please, this is how the Namibian marriage certificate looks like. This also attests to the fact that I I am the person that Melvin married. <laughs> I'm not just uh, some random, uh, some random stranger. And then also I have my passport. Okay. The new ones are actually very cool. Very cool. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, I don't want to waste time, but I want to show you. <laughs> I mean, look at that. Look at that. If you have the old one, please. I don't know if you actually be allowed out of the country with the old one. There's these cool new ones, you know, and, and home affairs make sure that your identity is documented. The government makes sure that you are a name written somewhere. Your name is documented somewhere. At every stage in your life, you get a document. When you're born, you get a document. Uh, when you are about 16, you get a document. I know some people got theirs when they were 25, so. Uh, when you get married, you get a document. Okay. And then, especially for the women now, we have to change our, our identity. I don't know who came up with this idea. Um, yeah, it's my surname, but you know, the Bible says the man will live and cleave to his wife. So I don't know. So a lot of us have these identities. And they have, have documents. I know from people from other countries also actually have these identity documents. So that when you are roaming around the streets of Namibia and the police will ask you, like they do in South Africa, they used to do that. They will ask you, where is your ID or where is your passport? So that you can show who you are. Is your name accounted for? Are you accounted for? All right? So why do we identify ourselves with? I put the, a lot of cultures there. I put the, the, the Oshivambo the, the Bura, the, the Twanas, the Himbas, the uh, Silozi, the, the, the Kalads and the Namas, and I put the Oshierero and the Kavango people. What do we identify ourselves with? A lot of us, we find pride in a lot of our ethnicities and cultures. I am a proud hashtag, a proud Herero, I'm a proud Kavango, I'm a proud person, this and this. And we take a lot of pride in who we are externally. Okay, our family backgrounds, I hashtag I'm a proud Kavapero or whatever it is that, that we find value in. Okay, can you give me the next slide? We find pride also in our professions and our achievements. Okay, and when we are in a group of people who are learned, we, we also want to look important. All right. So we, 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 we get our degrees, we get our PhDs, we get our masters so that it, 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 adds, it adds value to our identity. That's what happens. And you don't know you do that for that, but that's why you do it. Okay? So now, it's very important for us to ask, to ask ourselves, why is identity, identity important? Sure, those slides. Identity is closely linked to our self-image, to our worth and our value. The way I view myself shapes the way 
I view the world and my position in society. Okay? So the way I perceive myself, who I perceive myself to be, then shapes who I am in society. And that's actually what society then begins to see. That you are this person and they will classify you. I mean, we know the stereotypes. I mean, we even have memes for them. Okay? This person is from Rundu. Look at how they are in the toilet or whatever, <laughs> you know? This person is a Herero, Herero Statapek or whatever, you know? So there's all these identity stereotypes. And whatever we believe about ourselves consciously and subconsciously, because we think it's just consciously, subconsciously will inform our behavior. So then most of us then will be like, I act like a certain type of person. I act like a lawyer. I act like a doctor. I act like this person. So in this life, like I said from the beginning, we always redefine ourselves. We're trying to recreate our identities, trying to, to be something different. Ten years ago, I'm not who I am. Now I'm a different person. I've learned and I've grown and I'm enlightened. So I'm a different person. Okay? And that is, the, I, I suppose, the beauty of being a human. Dogs cannot recreate themselves. Animals cannot recreate themselves. They, will, they can try. I don't know. Maybe they don't try. I don't know. Let me not judge them. But, like, they cannot recreate themselves. And in the natural, my identity changes with time and with experience. Humans are always re- looking for, for, for opportunities to recreate themselves. Plastic surgery, I mean, there's this one on, on E, botch. I mean, like, people are not satisfied with who they are. This, those are the extremes. Most of us sitting here actually are not, a, are not happy with who we are. We're always trying to lose weight. We're always trying to be macho, build muscles. We're always trying to be something. Okay, there is always a desire to to be something so that I can feel content. And like I said in the beginning slide, we find that we're actually not content. Every time you reach a certain stage of enlightenment as a person or or, or you have reached another identity um, aspect of yourself, you actually know that you're not satisfied. And then you, are, you, you go on the same journey. You try to do, rediscover yourself again. You know? And we spend a lot of time doing that. And in the world, people think like this. Life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. That's what the world says. So they spend time, money, creating themselves. Or actually even us. Okay, It's not them, it's us also. And this is now by unknown. We, we spend a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort trying to, to be pleasing to people, trying to be pleasing to ourselves and trying to, to find who we are so that we can belong. All right? The question is, are we also recreating ourselves? Have we fallen in that, in that space where we're trying, like that person, trying to draw themselves every moment, trying to recreate themselves, trying to change the portrait of who God has made them? Are we trying to find, are we we those people? Now it's important for us to know that even though we are in the world, we are different. We are not of this world. And every Christian, I think the most important thing to know or actually to pursue after your relationship with God is to find out who you are. The more you pursue God, the more you, f- you know who you are. And it's very important for us, and, and I, I wanted to spend a lot of time on this. 
because we 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 are in this world and we're trying to be who 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 God has not called us to be we're trying to fit in with this world we're trying to do things like the world we're trying to 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 think like the world we're trying to make our lives be like the world but God has called us out of this world can we play that video please life to the lord when you said yes to following Jesus what was the thing that defined you how did that decision then begin to inform your life? And from the time that you gave your life to the Lord until now, has your identity spoken anything for you? Has the truth and your relationship with God testified anything in this world and for yourself? Sometimes I think, you know, we give our lives to the Lord and we actually don't understand what we're doing. That is the dilemma. I just, like, life is just full of dilemmas. Because this is what happens. We, we say yes to Jesus, but we actually take Jesus and then we incorporate him in our lives. Instead of dying. Because this is what the Christian faith calls for. It calls for death. It doesn't say, take Jesus. Take him with you to the office. Take him with you in your daily life. That is not the Christian faith. If that's what you believe of the Christian faith, then you are in error. That is not the Christian faith. That is not the Christian identity. For us to take God and put him in a pie is one of the things that we do in life. That is not the Christian faith. Okay? To take Holy Spirit and use him whenever we can. And when we don't need him, we discard him. That is not the Christian faith. You are in error. Who is the Christian person? So what is the Christian identity then? Do we, do we actually ask ourselves these things or we're just going forth and reading our Bibles and trying to understand these things of God and having, trying to have revelation who this God is? Or do we actually ask ourselves the question, what is my identity? Because if we know that identity informs our behavior, we will not struggle. If we under, understand that identity informs our value, we will not be a struggling people. We'll be a people that are victorious. A people that are winning. A people that are full of life and life in abundance like our theme is saying. That's why we're doing this. So that we can know what our identity is. That Christian identity is based on the truth of who God is. Your revelation of God determines your identity. And that is what I'm learning and I've been learning. The more I know who God is, the more I transform inside. It is not the more I, I, I worship and the more I do this, it's the more I know God intimately, the more I transform. I know people usually use that scripture where Jesus is talking to Peter, asking him, Peter, who do you say I am? And then Peter, through the revelation of the Spirit, says that you are the Son of God. And then Jesus turns around and tells him, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And because you have identified me, I will begin to identify you. That is the Christian identity. To be so engulfed in this intimate relationship with the Father, that as we are looking and beholding the Father, as we are fixing our eyes on things above and not things on the earth, we begin to be transformed from the inside out and we begin to become the people that we are created to be. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. This should be the anthem of the Christian identity. Who are we? 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is a very powerful scripture. I know I didn't highlight it as much, but actually this is the fundamental scripture of your identity, who you are in Christ. You are a new creation. New creation doesn't mean a renewed creation. It is new, completely new. The old has gone. Okay? It's not like a new model of, you know, iPhone 7, 8. It's not bettering the version of what was. It is destroying the version and starting brand new. That's who we are. The old has gone. The new has come. I'm a new creation with a brand new birth certificate and an identity card. Sorry. I am a new creation with a new birth certificate. So how did I become new? Romans 6, 4. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We were buried. The old went away. When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to death. I don't know if you know that. You said yes to death of you and everything earthly about yourself. You said yes to death. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live. Are we confident to say that as Christians, I no longer live? Or are we so alive that Christ is buried somewhere? Not us being buried in Christ. Christ is buried somewhere there. And when I need him, I just, you know, scratch for him and I try to find him. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's Galatians 2. So that means the old died. It's like when you die on this world, you get a death certificate. Even though when you are dead, you don't know that you have a certificate. Your family needs it to go get your insurance money. (laughs) So when you die, you get a death certificate. So when we come to Jesus, we are declaring that I am dead. I have a death certificate. So when the devil comes and he tries to rattle you up, you say, look me, I'm a dead person. Literally, you are a dead man walking. You are dead to yourself. You are dead to the person. The old Annette is gone. The old person is gone. Now, my death ushered me into a new person from a different country. John 1, 12 to 13 says, Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is also echoed in 1 John 5, 1. And then in John 3, we, we see this picture of, of, of Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And the guy is asking, you know, how then shall I be born again? Must I enter in my mother's womb again so that I can, you know, that uh, sarcastic type situation. And then Jesus said, unless one is born of the Spirit. Unless one is born of the Spirit. So we are actually people that are born of the Spirit. John 3 3 to 6 talks about it. And in verse 6 it says, Spirit gives birth to spirit. So before Christ, your spirit was dead. You were operating 
as, a, as just a natural person. That's who you were before Christ. You were operating as a natural person with your natural abilities and you identify yourself with earthly things. But when you gave your life to the Lord, the transaction that happened there is that your spirit then became uh, alive. It was birthed. All right? God gave birth to your spirit. God said, this is my child. This is what God said. In James 1.18a, he says he chose to give birth to us through the word of truth. It was his decision. It wasn't your decision. God gave birth to you just like it wasn't your decision to be born by your, by your parents. It was their decision. Or their mistake maybe also. That's true. But that, that, that does not define us. What defines us is the decision of the father. God chose each one of us. Because you are sitting here, you have been chosen. Jesus said, there is no one that comes to the father unless the father draws them. You're not here because you heard the good news and you just jumped up. You're not here because you thought it was a good thing to become a Christian. You are here because God gave birth to your spirit. And because of that, you identify yourself with the spirit. So who is this new person? And what do they look like? It is important for us to note also that as we are new in Christ, we obviously don't, like, I didn't get a new body. Like, it's only going to come later. The new body. I'm still in my natural identity. I'm still Annette. I'm still black. I'm still Namibian. I'm still this person. But like Paul says in, in, in Philippians 3, I think you can go read that. He gives this really beautiful thing about who he is, naming all the achievements, who he is, a Jew of the Jews. He is this person. He's a Hebrew and that person. And then he says, but I count it all lost. That's nothing for me. That is your attitude. That is our attitude as Christians. Everything that we have and achieved in the natural is nothing compared to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so many times we take so much pride in who we are as people. Our achievements, what we, what we have, what car we drive, what house we live in, and everything that we do. But Paul says, count that lost. The flesh counts for nothing. Jesus said, the only thing that counts is the spirit. Your spirit is the only thing that matters to you as a child of God now, in this moment. The new person derives the identity, value, worth, uh, value and worth from God because the new person reflects the image of God in his nature, relationship, and in task. Colossians 3.10 says, and have, uh, it's a, quite a scripture. It says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, uh, in knowledge in the image of its creator. So when we gave our lives to the Lord, we, the old self was dead. Can we just say, I'm dead? My old self is put off. So when you put off your old self, you became a new self, which is being made new in the knowledge of the image of the creator. In Ephesians 4, 24, it says, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It was God's intention from the beginning to create us into his image. Sin came and it corrupted things. So now Jesus came to redeem that. To make us, uh, and, and, and to make us realize that we we're actually made in the image of God. We're not just not natural beings, we're actually spiritual beings. That's why it's important for us to have proper discipleship. Discipleship is so key. 
How is it that we can give birth to natural kids, train them how to walk and talk, but we dismiss discipleship? Discipleship is parenting. It is teaching you how to walk and talk as a new person. And most of us, we run away from discipleship, and then we wonder why we are in identity crisis. Why we cannot walk as Christians. Why we cannot talk as Christians. We are still remaining infants. Proper discipleship is so important. If you are not in a connect group, find yourself in a connect group. So that you can learn how to become a mature Christian. Just like how we are in the natural, we grow up and leave the milk. Like all of us are not drinking milk here, only cow's milk, you know. But we learn how to actually eat steak and meat. Your teeth can handle that. That is how it is in the, ne- in the spiritual. You live away the elementary things. Paul says, some of you are supposed to be teachers by now. But you are still in elementary things, trying to be babies. Pooping yourself all the time and trying to have people clean up your mess. Yeah. You know? We are called to be, we call to mature. Ephesians 4 talks about it. Pastor Chris spoke about it. Reaching maturity. So that we can actually be apostles, uh, 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 evangelists, prophets. But many times we are just here, congregants. We just want to be babies. You know, every year in and out we're just babies. Somebody feed me. You know, it's so important actually that we, we mature. We are like God. We're like God in our, uh, in nature. That means that our spirit, uh, our spirit is our new nature and our true essence. All right. As a new person or persons, we are filled, led, and lived by the Spirit. And the important thing to note is that your spirit is actually in conflict with your flesh or with your, with your natural person. I mean, when you're about to do something, the Spirit is there talking to you, waging war and conflicting with you. That means the moment you have that realization, you know that you're a spiritual person. You are a spirit being now. The moment there is war in your soul, then you know you're a spirit being. We have the capacity to be holy, pure, righteous, without sin, free from guilt and condemnation, and understand spiritual things. That is who we are. Our nature is the spirit. We are people that are governed by the spirit. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and anyone who worships must worship in spirit and truth. Spirit. You cannot worship God in your natural. You can try. But only spirit connects to spirit. That's how God intended it to be. That's why he had to give birth to you through the spirit so that you can connect to him. Romans 8, 9 says, however, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. You are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. That is your true identity. Okay. And there are extra scriptures there. If you want to write them down, you can go read them at home. It just talks about the fact that we are actually people that are governed by, 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 by the spirit and not by the flesh. First Corinthians talks about the fact that we, we have the spirit of God so that we can understand the things of God. Alright? That's what the spirit is there for. Not for us to just call him Holy Spirit. Ooh, goosebumps. He is there to make this life a reality for us. Okay? He is there to affirm indeed that we are children of God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is there to affirm your inheritance and your, 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 your abilities as a child of God. The Bible says he is the divine power that is at work in us. 
All right? Now, C.S. Lewis says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. So then that gives, that brings me to the, to the next, uh, portion that says, I'm a citizen and an ambassador of heaven. As a child of God, you're no longer from this country or that country or this place. Your true origin or geographical position is heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. John, John 17 talks about it. You know, it says, uh, Jesus is praying. And then he says, even though they're in this world, they are not of this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. Ephesians 2.6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We were raised up. Whether you believe it or not, that is the truth. You were raised up with Christ. Now your current position is while you're on earth, you are also in heaven. Like what an oxymoron. It is the reality of our identity. And then we are also ambassadors to Corinthians 5, 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassador. I am under a different government and a different authority. So you must know that your first and foremost authority is, is God. You are from heaven. And you are an ambassador here. You will return to where you came from. Alright? Even I know people, they pray those prayers. Return to sender. You are basically saying, go back to your region or wherever you came from. Even for us, our government and our citizenship is actually in heaven. The Bible says that our names are written. So the government also has documentation of your name. Just like how the government here in Namibia has documentation. So that when the devil comes, he asks you, and you, who are you from? <laughs> like those uh, sons of, is it Skiva or Shiva? They were pretending to have the Holy Spirit and then they were actually beaten up by the demons. This is the thing that demons know that you don't know, that you are a child of God. This is what the demons know that you don't know, that you are actually a fake Christian. They know that. Like the sons of Skiva. So we, it is up to us to actually discover who we are. We are like God in, the ter- in terms of relational. That says, I have the ability to express love, show mercy, have compassion, have humility, be peaceable. Because I have the Spirit in me, I have the fruit of the Spirit to relate to other people. The fruit of the Spirit is not just for you. It's for you to be able to relate to other people. Not only does he testify that you're a child of God, but he gives you the ability to relate to other people. Because it's God's power inside of you. Okay? I recognize that I'm able to relate intimately and deeply with God and others. I recognize that there is no Jew, Gentile, African, European, American in Christ. That we are all one in Christ. I am compelled by love to go, uh, of God. I'm compelled by the love of God to reach out to those that are lost and blinded by Satan. So that's how we are like God in relation. We are people sent from heaven, just like Jesus, to bring good news. Could it be the fact that you are a person in the natural is because God has sent you to reach out to your people? Could it be like how the Jews? understood that they are Jews and Jesus was a Jew because Jesus was born a Jew. He didn't, he wasn't born a Christian. Jesus is no Christian. He's a Jew. 
and you will return as a Jewish man. Glorious. So just as Jesus is was as, just as Jesus was sent to the Jews and the disciples, so we are maybe sent to the people that God has called us for. We are set in different geographical areas and places so that we can reach out to the people that God has sent us. Not so that we can take that identity and make it so glorious and so more powerful than God, you know. And the last thing is, we are like God in my task, or in in task, in my function as a citizen. As a new person, I live to please God. Train myself up in godliness and do good works that God has prepared for me. Ephesians 2 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Okay? 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and... So if God has prepared everything for you, you were born prepared. Literally. You were born to live a godly life. You were born to please God. You were born to live for God and do good works. And there are more scriptures there. Philippians 2, 13. You can go read it in your own time. And the whole of Titus 3. It's so important for us to know this. That we are called to do good works. So every good work you do is not for self-righteousness. It's not to say, oh my gosh, I'm so holy, I'm doing this. It is God who has prepared for you in that moment. He stepped out of eternity into this time to prepare the good works for you to do. It's what God has done. So then I live my life on earth knowing that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and God resides in me. I recognize that it's indeed no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. That is the transaction that happened when you gave your life to the Lord. I live my life offering my body as a living sacrifice. And I offer every part of my body to do right or to righteousness. Let us stand up. I love the scripture that Tuyeni read this morning in Romans, I mean in John. And he said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We need to bring our hearts and our identities before the Lord. Some of us need to ask ourselves, have we died? The reality is if you die continuously, that is your life. If you die continuously. Christ begins to live in you. The life that Christ has has died for begins to, 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 to erupt inside of your body. This mortal body. The Bible says if the, the spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, how much more will he give you life in your mortal body? Life to please him. Life to do the will of God. Life to be who God has called you to be. This is what God has called us for. This is what God has called us for. He's called us to live like Christ. And to allow the government and the leadership of Holy Spirit. So whatever your prayer is tonight. I mean, this, uh, this morning. Let us just bring our hearts before the Lord. 
Let every part of our earthly identity that is not submitted to the Lordship of Christ be put to death. Or at least begin a process of renewal of mind and everything. Father, we are so thankful this morning. You have called us for a different life. We are from another government. We are from another, another place. From another dimension. We are from the realm of the spirit. And Father, we have, we have become accustomed to the things of this world, the traditions and the, and the way of life of this world. And we got caught up into it. Father, we ask for forgiveness, Lord. Where we've been caught up. And we have set our affections, we've set our minds, we've set our hearts on the things of the earth instead of things above. Father, we give our hearts to you. Every part of it. Awaken in us what you have intended to awaken. Holy Spirit, we give you free will to have the dominion and the leadership of our souls and everything. We thank you that even as we hear the word, the word is like a sword, the double-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow and to the dividing of intention and spirit and soul. Lord, where there has not been any separation of spirit and soul, where we're still living in our flesh, we ask that your word will come and just separate it. Lord, we thank you that we are meant to rule and reign and have dominion over our bodies, have dominion on earth. And we can only do that if we have the the understanding of our transcendentness in the spirit, Lord. And Father, we thank you that you will equip each person here whether it is in, in, in word, in revelation, you will equip each one of us to know what you have freely given us. You will equip us in order for us to walk like children walking in the light. You will equip us to be like you, created in your image. Father, thank you that we indeed will be called children of God, citizens of heaven, holy priesthood, holy people, holy nation, Father, thank you that you have done this for us. It is not by our will, but it's by the will of your spirit. It's through your will, Father, that you gave birth to us. So we submit ourselves to everything that you have given, given birth to, Lord God. We submit ourselves to that reality. And we thank you that we are, we are a victorious people. Having life and winning and conquering in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.